Now, in our look at uh, 1 Corinthians, we've made it to chapter 12. Let's be standing, please, as we read this portion, which Paul wrote to the church in Corinth many years ago, but is also God's word to us. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. May God bless the reading of his word. There's a preacher named Wayne Oates. I've never met Wayne. I've read a lot of his writings. And he tells of a time when he was a minister in a small church in Kentucky. And one day after services, this woman came up and was obviously pretty ticked off. And she was dragging along with her her seven, eight-year-old boy. She got him up there, and obviously the boy was very uncomfortable and very frightened by this whole situation. And the woman looked at Wayne and said, Brother Oates, said Gordon here, when I told him it was time to come to church, he threw a fit. And he said, church, church, church. That's all I ever hear. That's all we ever do. I'm tired of church. I don't want to go. She said, I think you need to have a talk with him. Wayne said he looked down at Gordon. Gordon looked up at him like, "Uh uh-oh, here comes. And Wayne said, Gordon, I get tired of church sometimes too. He said, in fact, the next time I get really tired of church, I'm going to come see you. And we're going to talk because I think you will understand. And he looked at his mom, Gordon's mom, and said, you know, anyone who never gets tired of church doesn't go to church enough. Confession time. Any of you ever get tired of church? (laughs) Oh, I've actually got a couple of people that had volunteered there. Well, okay. I get tired of church. Part of that is because, you know, church and job kind of get mixed up with me and with Brian and our other staff members. You know, and what one of you who has a job doesn't occasionally just get tired of doing that job. So sometimes I just get tired of being up here. I'm I'm in this building, some part of this building, usually sometime every day of the week I'm up here. And sometimes it's just like, oh, great. And sometimes when we come together for worship, it's like, wow. You know, why is there a Sunday in every week? Have you noticed that? Every week there's a Sunday 
and every week it's time to get up and talk again. And, and sometimes it's like, oh boy, and then sometimes it's like, oh man, just kind of tired of that. Why is that? Well, as I was thinking about that, you know, there's a lot of things I get tired of that I love dearly. Football. I love to watch football. And it's a long year from the Super Bowl to the opening game again. You know, you just, just, it's like, what are we supposed to do in between football? You know? And finally it gets here, and Pat can tell you, that first Saturday, especially like college football, that first Saturday where we've got a full slate of college games, I'm sitting there, I watch the morning game, I watch both afternoon games, I watch all the evening games. As, as long as I can hold my eyes open, I'm sitting there watching, you know, Boise State play someone on that stupid blue field. You know, <laughs> but it's football. But after a few weeks of football, it's like, okay, and... Yeah, I may even get up one time and turn the TV off, and it's like, I've had enough of that for a while. But if I stay away for a little bit, my hunger returns. I want to watch some football. Hunger, you know, any of y'all ever get tired of eating? There's not much I, per, I like to do better than eat, especially something that just is one of my favorite foods. And, you know, we could talk, it's 1130. Any of y'all thinking about eating right now? Well, I guarantee you, if you eat very long, you're going to get tired of it. And, and you'll get to a point where someone says, you want something to eat? And you say, Man, I just, oh, that just sounds awful. Food just sounds awful right now. But give it a few hours. <laughs> For some of us, a few minutes. Food sounds pretty good again, doesn't it? Begin to get hungry for it again. Church is like that. Church is so vital to us. So much a part of what God has called his people to be. That even though at times we may get weary of the schedule and we may get tired of some of the activities, we know we can't stay away very long because there's a hunger there for what it is that church is all about. Now, to talk about why church is so important in our lives, we could go a lot of different directions. We could become very theological. Paul does that in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians, this, this letter talks about church in very theological language. And listen to some of the things about the church. If we read in, in chapter 3, it says that, that God had a wisdom that was hidden throughout the ages. And that the very wisdom, the deep things of God, the things that God thought about, people didn't know those things until, through the church, the wisdom of God has been made known in its rich variety. God chose to use the church to let his thoughts be made available to us. I want some of that. I want to be a part of a place where the wisdom of God is revealed. We go ahead toward the end of chapter 3, and we find these words, To him who is by the power at work within us able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ever ask or imagine, to him be glory, can anyone help me? In the church. It is in the church that God is glorified. God looks to his church to lift him up 
and to glorify His name and to present Him to all of the world. We keep reading chapter 5 of Ephesians. talks about that Christ loved the church so much that He was willing to die for the church. You know, whatever it is that Jesus is willing to die for, I want to be a part of that. I want some of that. I don't want to be separate from the group of people that Jesus looked at and said, I will die for that group. We keep reading in chapter 5. It talks about how Jesus now uh, uh, nourishes and feeds his body, which is the church. And I need, I need the spiritual nourishment that Jesus provides. Therefore, I want to be in church and amongst the church to receive it. Well, those are some theological reasons why church is so important for us to be a part of. But Paul in, in Corinthians gives a very practical explanation of it. He says, you know, the church is the body and you're all parts of the body. Each one of you is a body part of the church. And therefore, the church needs you and you need the church. And for the next, I've got about 12 minutes left. I want to just sort of play with that idea a little bit and give you some practical reasons what I've discovered in my own life and in my own heart why the church is such, must be such a vital part of who I am and why without the church I'm not near what God has called me to be. The first point is just simply that. That without the church I'm just an individual. I've got a few talents, not many, two or three things I could tell you that I do pretty well and feel pretty good about myself. But I could give you a whole list of things that I can't do very well. As much as I am, there's a lot of things I am not. And the only way I become what I'm not is in the church. Because in the church... You are a part of me. Let me explain it this way. There, anyone know who Stacy King is? He's no relation to me. He was an NBA basketball player years ago. Played for the Chicago Bulls back in the Michael Jordan era. Anybody remember Michael Jordan? All right, I got a few. Okay. Well, Stacy King was interviewed by Newsweek magazine a few years ago. And in that article, he was reflecting uh, back on the time when he played for the Bulls and what it was like to play with Michael Jordan and all of that. And the interviewer asked him, well, what, is, what are some of your greatest memories about that time of your life? And he said, my favorite night is that night that Michael Jordan and I scored 70 points together. The two of us went together and we put up 70 points on that board. What he didn't say was that Michael Jordan scored 69 of those points. And he scored one. But the two of them together scored 70. You get the point? You are so much more than what you are alone when you are a part of God's church. For God has given each an ability, each a gift. And as you come and you blend in, with this church and you begin to do the things that you can do all the other body parts are doing what they can do 
and you are more than you could have ever been by yourself. Now, that's, that's sort of a theoretical concept. Let me flesh that out in my life a little bit more. I can give you name after name of people who have blessed my life in the church. As I was thinking about this, I was going back over a list of names of people, not only here, but in East Texas. When I was in East Texas, I told a lot of stories about you guys. Uh, when I'm here, it's sort of safer to tell stories about them, okay? <laughs> I wanted to tell you one story about this woman. I don't think I've ever told you about Lucille before. Lucille Lindsay. Now, you know, you're just blank, I know. But when I say Lucille Lindsay, I see this older woman who drove an old beat-up Ford. Now, the church I was working with was kind of an upscale church. Right, Carlin? <laughs> All right, yeah. Lots of Lexuses and Cadillacs and BMWs, a few Porsches, you know, sitting in the parking lot. And here comes Lucille and her old 20-year-old Ford. Had been staying out in the sun so long that the, uh, you know, the back of the upholstery and the back window was all torn up and the stuffing was coming out of it. And you could tell she parked it under a tree because it, it had pollen, you know, and dirt. It just, you know, it just didn't fit in. When Lucille got out, she didn't fit in. Her hair was not done like everybody else's hair was done there. And she still wore those pointy glasses before they even started coming back in. You know, uh, yeah. and, and she sort of walked a little stooped over. And she always wore this long coat, even if it was fairly warm outside. She seemed to always just remember her in this coat. Lucille walked in. Lucille didn't fit. I mean, if, if, if you looked at her, you would think, what's wrong with this picture? Lucille doesn't belong here. But Lucille didn't know that. Lucille thought that she fit right in. And because of that, the other people at church felt like she fit right in as well. And Lucille fit into my life in a way that... Uh, well, let me tell you. One day she came up to me. She said, preacher man. She liked to call me preacher man. She said, I want to take you to lunch. I said, do you think your wife would care if I took you out to lunch? I said, oh, I don't think she would, Lucille. <laughs> so she said, okay. So she came and picked me up one day in her old four. I said, well, Lucille, we can go in my car. I'll drive. No, this is my thing. I'm taking you out to lunch. Get in. So here we go. <laughs> I'm sort of holding on. We get there finally. And we have lunch together, and she just tells me some of her life. And we did that over a period of several months, about once so every couple of months, she would call up, ready to go to lunch? We would go. She grew up in the bayous of Louisiana, married while she was still a teenager, lived down in Orange, around Orange, Texas, and just so many interesting stories, and what an interesting person she was. Uh, she told me, one, I talked to her after a while, I said, you know, Lucille, You've told me a lot about your kids. You've told me about growing up on the bodies. You've never mentioned your husband. And she sort of looked down and she said, that ah, wasn't a very good deal. Said, I married him. I was very young and I didn't know what I was getting into. And he drank a lot. And it wasn't long before he was kind of slapping me around. And I said, ooh. I said, what did you do about that? She said, I looked at him and I told him he had to stop that. And he looked at me and said, what can you do, woman? You can't make me stop that. She said, yes, I can. He said, how? She said, I have a ball-peen hammer. <laughs> he said, you can't hit me with that ball-peen hammer. 
She said, yes, I can. You'll go to sleep sooner or later. (laughs) So he had the choice of not slapping her around or not ever going to sleep. She said, you know, he never laid a hand on me again. That's Lucille. Lucille had some special gifts. And if she told you about them, you might shake your head and say, I don't know. Lucille talked to God a lot, and God talked to Lucille. I remember going to see her in the hospital toward the end of her life. And when I walked in, she turned and looked at me. She said, there you are. I knew you were coming. I said, you did? She said, yeah, God and I have been talking about you. I said, well, great. She said, yeah. said, in fact, he told me to tell you that, that he's pleased with what you're doing. She said, now, I know you're not a perfect person, but I just want you to know that God is pleased with what you're doing. And I said, well, thanks, Lucille. That's good to know. And then she started listing some things that were going on in my life that I hadn't told her about. In fact, she told me some things about going on in my life that really probably Pat might have known, but no one else. And she said, I know these things are happening, and just want you to know that God will be with you, it's going to be okay, and that he's pleased with what you're doing. I cannot tell you the encouragement that that brought. That was a gift I don't have. That was at a time when I didn't know if God liked me or not. And just to have that sweet little old misfit of a lady tell me that God was pleased. That's why we need a body. That's why we need a church. Because you are not enough by yourself. No matter who you are, you're not enough by yourself. You need all the gifts of God. And the only way to get all the gifts of God is to be a part of his body. One more thing is a point that's kind of like that point, but just a little bit different. If I stay away from church too long, even with the best of intentions, my faith starts growing cold, and I start getting weak. Now, I've never really just walked away from church and stayed away for a long period of time. I've, I've been involved in like going on vacation or you know just things like that where maybe I'm distracted for a while or out of pocket and miss a few times of the church gathering. I can look back and say, you know, my mind just gets off onto other things and I start going other places and start doing other things with who I am. Without the church, our faith grows cold. There's a story of an older man in a church in Scotland. One of these preacher stories, but it's a good story. How he was on the leadership of that church and was at a meeting one night, and one of the other leaders of the church stood up and in an angry way said something very unkind to that man, and it hurt his feelings. And he got up and walked out of the church and never came back. Well, after people realized that he probably wasn't coming back, they became concerned and started going and visiting him and and pleading with him, come on back, it's okay, you know old so-and-so, he didn't mean it, you know, just come on back. But he wouldn't come back, wouldn't come back. Well, years passed, and they got a new preacher. And the preacher had heard the story of this man that once was such an active leader in the church and now wouldn't come anymore. 
and how the people had gone and begged him to come back and he wouldn't come back. And he thought, well, I'll give it a try. So he went and he knocked on the guy's door, introduced himself. I'm the new preacher down at the church. Guy invited him in. They went in and sat down. It was a cold day. And they were sitting there around a fire made of coal. I've never sat at a fire made of coal, but sat around a fireplace with wood in it before. And they sat there, and, and the old man was quiet, waiting for the preacher to start in until you need to come back to church, you need to do this, you need to do that. But the preacher, even in his youth, was smart enough not to talk. And they just sat there for a while and watched the fire burn and watched those pieces of coal glow bright red and put out the heat. In a moment, the preacher reached down and, and got the tongs to get the coal, and he reached into the fire and pulled out a piece of coal and set it over to the side. Well, both of them sat and looked at that piece of coal. It was bright red, but as it sat there by itself, it began to cool off a little and began to get black again. And they watched it for a moment, and then the preacher picked it up put it back in the fire, and watch it come to life again. He didn't say anything beyond that. He just got up, and as he was leaving, looked at the man and said, we miss you at church, and walked out. And the next Sunday, he was there. We grow cold without each other. We need each other, and God knew that. Paul talks about us as a body of Christ. Peter talked about us as a living building built up by God. Let me, in closing, read a passage out of 1 Peter, chapter 2. Peter pleads with those people, Come to him, to Jesus, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourself. Do you notice what he says? He says, you've got you to give God permission here. You let yourself be built into a spiritual house. Because that's what you need to be. You need to be a part of God's chosen people, His holy nation, His spiritual house, because without God's church, you are not near who you could be and what you could be. And without God's church, your faith will grow cold. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing. And this is kind of a different setting, so we're going to do something a little different. Right now, some of our staff members are going to stand up, some of the elders are going to stand up, those who will, and they're going to make their way to the sides of the building, in the back of the building, now. <laughs> All right. You can spot them as they move. And we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And if you have any need in your life, now, no, you can come down here. I'm going to be down at the front, and if you've got something you would like to have this whole church know, well, come down and tell me, and we'll share with everyone. But if you've got someone in your family who is ill, and you need the prayers of this church for the, the health of your loved one, go to one of these, these the elders or any of the staff, and, and let them pray with you. If something is going on in your own life, spiritually, physically, and you just would like to have one of God's spiritual leaders pray with you, then go as we sing and let that person pray with you. And if you would like to come and to join in with this whole body, then come forward and we'll be glad to assist you in whatever step you need to make 
that of baptism, that of being re-included, that of receiving your life again. Let's stand and sing.